Are you tired of using subpar fertilizer that don't give your crops the boost they need? Look no further than Irish Shite, the all-natural and sustainable solution for your farm. Made from the finest blend of Irish animal waste, Irish Shite provides essential nutrients for your crops to thrive. And it's not just good for your crops, it's also good for your skin. With Irish Shite, you'll look 10 years younger. So why settle for less? Choose Irish Shite. It's made right here in Ireland. And be sure to tell your friends and fellow farmers about the power of Irish manure. This message has been brought to you by the Irish Shite Association, the natural choice for a sustainable farm. The best bit. Second rate show. Juggernaut of a podcast. Where we watch the fluff and see if we like it. One, Hello and welcome to the Best Bit Second Rate Show where we flash back to a random week of release and give a second chance to a film we didn't see the first time. This is Kevin and as always I'm joined by Will. Hello Will. Hello Kevin. How are you getting on? <laughs> I'm grand. Yes. We are tackling another flop and seeing if we like it. So where are we? What year is it? Set the scene for us Will. Kevin. We spun the wheel and it took us back in time, back to the 1980s. I'll give you a a picture of how the world is right now. Margaret Thatcher is the current Prime Minister of England. Ronald Reagan is on his way out of of being uh, US President. Charlie Hawhey is the Taoiseach of Ireland. But George W.H. Bush has been nominated by the Republican Party to run for president. We also, on this date, in August 17th, 1988, the Pakistani... Oh, 88, that's where we are. Yeah. Did I not say it? Sorry. You didn't. You said the 80s. (laughs) We're in the 88s. (laughs) The Pakistani president, Mohammad Zia-ul-Haq, and the US ambassador, Arnold Raphael, were killed in a plane crash on this day. Do you want to hear what people were wearing on the day, Kevin? What were you wearing around 1988? Probably shorts. Well, I'll tell you what the ladies were wearing. They were wearing sweater shorts, sweater dresses, short skirts, small shoulder pads, animal print, long wool coats, and bulky sweaters. Meanwhile, the men were wearing tracksuits, sweatshirts, Nike Air Jordan shoes, and denim. What were people listening to? Was it Yaz, The Only Way Is Up, perchance? Absolutely. The Only Way Is Up was number one in the UK charts. But also, another cracking song was released this day by the band Guns N' Roses. And it was Sweet Child of Mine came out this wow, very day. In 1988, okay. Mm-hmm. You want to know what people were, were watching? What were they watching? Knots Landing, Family Ties, which I completely remember the theme of, Cheers, which is still one of the best sitcoms of all time, and... Mm-hmm. A joint favourite, Kevin. Star Trek, The Next Generation. <laughs> oh, that would have been just starting then. Yeah. I thought, did it oh, start no, in 87 it started. Yeah, I can never remember. But it started for us. When did it air in Ireland? It was like the, like was it felt like 90, but maybe it was 89. I'm not really sure. I feel like it started later than that. I wouldn't have had any sense about myself to be watching that in 1988. Yeah. 1988. This time in August in 1988, I was going to start big school because I would have been going into second no yeah second class and I would have been getting all the big heavy books for second class busy at maths one (laughs) or busy at maths two whatever it was oh god yeah and uh yeah and god new uniform yeah dreading it like what's it going to be like going up to the Nortman this particular time of the summer Kevin was always a bleak time for me because on the horizon 
was the Rose of Trilly. Okay. <laughs> and again, the Rose of Trilly. Rose of Trilly has come up again this year. But do you know what always, the Rose Did of Trilly. Did you ever Trilly, put in an application to become one of the. <laughs> You know, a friend one of the of, chaperones. Well, not one of the roses. I don't think you'd pass. Uh, you'd pass the the um, qualifying rounds to become a rose. <laughs> well, you know, I, we can all have. We can all dream, Kevin. We can all dream. You know, a friend of mine actually was a chaperone one year. This is. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet he's got some stories. Yeah, you've got to, he, he was. He's absolutely. He was absolutely out of fortune because he had to pay for everything. Absolutely. He had to pay for everything. Oh my! Basically, you have to put up the your rose and entertain them and pay for everything for the entire week you're joking me they don't oh. get an actual like uh, budget from yeah, the, the all. okay look we're going to be talking about a movie in a second yeah. but the Rosa Trulli is like um, the Irish virgin the Irish <laughs> <laughs> well that's a Freudian slip they might have been virgin they might have been virgins after after gay I won't say Stop it. it I won't say it the Irish version of like uh, the Miss World pageant so they're all, um, but it's all—they're all, they're all lovely. All over. It's all lovely ladies. It's all, yeah. They're all lovely girls, and they all uh, have to do a talent. It's like usually a, an Irish dance while knitting a hat. Is it still on? I don't even know if that still it goes. Is. Yeah. Well, it was. It, uh, I think it was off due to COVID, but I think it's—it's still—it's still there. It's still in the ether. See, COVID wasn't all bad. Hey, yeah. You want to know <laughs> what the number one book was? I heard the comment. Do you want to know what the number one, uh, the New York uh, bestseller was? That week. The Bible. Yeah. How did you know? It wasn't. It was The Bonfire of the Vanities. No. Which will become a, a classic movie very soon. A classic <laughs> flop. A huge... Wasn't it Brian De Palma? There you go. That's a great segue into the box office of 1988. Oh, I want to know. So, as we say, we, we pick out one that we haven't seen before and we try and give it a second chance. I'll give you a rundown here, Will, of what films were on. Yeah. So, you had... One, two, three, four, five. You had five new releases. Right. The new releases out were Mac and Me, which came in at number 11. <laughs> oh, God, right. <laughs> number 10 was Big in its seventh week of release. Body Swap, right. Uh, yeah, number nine was Midnight Run in its sixth week of release. Wow. Another new release was a film called Clean and Sober. Oh, Michael Keaton. I don't know it. Mm-hmm. Number seven was another new release. It was Tucker, The Man and His Dream. Watch this uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola film. Yep. Seen it? Oh my God, you've seen everything. Mm-hmm. Six was Coming to America in its fifth week of release. Five was Roger Rabbit, the second week of release. Four was A Fish Called Wanda. Fourth week of release. What's happening to you? <laughs> I'm what? getting choked up here. It's, it's quite emotional. <laughs> yeah. Die Hard was number three. I've seen all of these. Third week of release. Cocktail was number two. Knocked off the top spot. And the number one film was a brand new release. And it was Young Guns. Holy shit. I've seen all of the top 10 from that weekend. Yep. Oh my but God. you haven't seen, or you hadn't seen this film I that I proposed to you because at the very last minute, it was pulled from its scheduled release to go to cinemas and it was released direct to video. It's a, a film by Dino De Laurentiis' DEG Productions. Stars a DJ turned actor called Shadow Stevens, <laughs> directed by a first-time filmmaker... And uh, a screenwriter who has an incredible story to his life and death, which we'll get into. And it's a film that I am still trying to wrap my head around what I saw. Yeah. But it's Tracks. The police wouldn't take him. I think I want to go into cookies. The animal shelters wouldn't touch him. Maybe I could use another opinion. 
Thank God he's on our side. Very funny. Are you a cop? Temporarily. My cookie business is a little undercapitalized. Let me try one of your peppermint prune cookies, please. Introducing Tracks. Decent people on one side of the room, scum on the other. You're all scum. He knows only one thing about the law. What will it be? Guns or fists? Sometimes it gets in the way. Yeah. Anybody got any ideas what to do about this cowboy? Kill the sucker! So, attention, all you criminals, crooks, and bad guys. Hit the dirt. Hit the tracks alert. Look out! A new and improved, totally faceless approach to justice. What do you think of a jive cookie? I don't think anybody gonna want your jive cookies. Tracks. Come back again, and you're dead. Good night. He's coming to clean up. Good night. Come back again, and I'll kill you. Your town. Yeah, don't ever. You especially don't ever come back. Real soon. T R A double X tracks. Yes. So tracks. Oh Jesus. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you right yeah. as we usually do at the very end we'll tell people whether they should revisit it or skip it mm-hmm. telling people to revisit this film though is going to be quite difficult because it is incredibly hard to find and I got this copy through a mate of mine who recommended it and when I was telling him the premise of the show he said what you should watch is Tracks <laughs> and I went never heard of it and he goes just watch it so I want to do a hat tip to Ray Bogdanovich, who's another screenwriter. Right. And also, I have a lot of questions for Ray after we do this recording. But <laughs> well, thanks to him, we got a copy of the film to watch. So if we, do, if we do recommend this to people, good luck trying to get a hold of it. Ray is obviously one of those guys who, in another life, would have been the, the, the video car man. The guy who would have driven around with videotapes in his boot and rented them. You know, to, you'd hope to, they'd just be videotapes. I hope so, yeah. 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 Um Kevin, can you give us a very brief synopsis of what Trax is about? Oh Jesus. Um Trax is the name of a Texas state trooper who in nineteen eighty four basically has a breakdown. He gets <laughs> kicked off <laughs> he gets kicked off the force right. and he turns into a mercenary who travels the world killing people. Until he has another breakdown and he decides <laughs> to become a baker of cookies. <laughs> and then he decides he needs to get some, some money to fund mm. his failing dreams of becoming a cookie baker. Yeah. And so he becomes a town tamer. And a town tamer is like a vigilante who goes around to small towns and cleans up the uh, ne'er-do-wells and the bad guys. That's uh, Yeah, I think that's a, a good summation of the general plot of this film. He's Ca- a bit like Chuck Norris, who turns into Rambo, who turns into uh, Charles Bronson. Who turns into Mary Berry. <laughs> <laughs> and has, a, has a, a similar hairstyle. I would like to throw it out there. I, I, I want some clarification. Maybe you can, you can clarify something I'm not going to be able to clarify anything for you in this, Will, because I spent the entirety of the film with my jaw wide open watching this film. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I want... So I think... Because you, you, you threw something out there where I went, oh, I didn't actually realise uh, his starting point. Because this film has 
a hilarious opening scene. Okay, um, it's it's it's, it's, it's it a soft hostage situation. Incredible. <laughs> where we have a couple of criminals holed up in a pet shop. Yeah. Um, and they're surrounded by police cars with cops with the guns. The first line of the movie is, I got a monkey in here and he's begging for his life. <laughs> the guy has a gun to a monkey in a cage and Trax turns up with a bunch of other cops and they are in a hostage mm. situation with the, uh, the criminals who've killed the owner of the pet shop and they yes. also shot a puppy. Yes, that's the most <laughs> more egregious thing yeah. in, this, in the story. Yeah, and they did that because they'll be able to plead insanity when they go to before the judge. And Trax is like, I'm, I'm having none of that. They're not <laughs> so how does how does Trax resolve the situation? Well, I'll tell you how Trax resolves the situation. He glances over. He glances over his shoulder. He sees a, he sees a discarded skateboard. Gets a brainwave. Picks it up. Attaches his uh, nightstick to the back of a of the bumper of a police car. Marty McFlyes it. it. He <laughs> Marty McFlyes it in through the window, face first the, through the face first <laughs> through the window. The front door is wide open, by the way. He just goes straight through the window. Shoots. He doesn't shoot them. He, uh, he doesn't he shoot the gun out of one of the, the, the guy's hands or whatever. The guy then, no, he shoots, he, he he bursts in face first through the plate window. He opens fire. He kills a few of them. Yeah. And one of them guys throws his gun down and says, I give up. And Trax goes, oh, hell no, you don't. So he gives him his own gun. He throws him his gun. And yeah. for some reason, Trax has a second gun. <laughs> in the same holster. In the same holster. <laughs> And he decides to have a duel with this yeah. guy just so that he can kill him. Trax yeah. is like fucking mental. Um, and yeah, that, that's it, that's the very first scene. It is fucking priceless. It is absolutely priceless. All right. It, where I want to clarify, right? I want to see if, where, if you can clarify something for me. Is the chronology of this scene. Because it I went back and rewatched it. So that's 1984. Yeah. So then after that, he gets, we have the classic, Drax, you're off the case. You know, yep. he gets berated by his chief. So he he bails us <laughs> on the force. And then we have, is that's, if we go into the credits, we have the montage of him. Wait, don't skip the credits. Oh my oh. God. The credits have an incredible song. It's a, oh, it's yeah. a theme tune that is all about tracks and it has the lyrics, just relax, here comes tracks. <laughs> Get the facts or deal with tracks. <laughs> oh god. So look, I have to ask you. Yeah. Was this a spoof movie? No. It's not a spoof movie. What I think this because it couldn't be because we've we've gone through spoof movies. It's not spoof. It could I think they they are trying to make a parody movie. I do think they're trying to make a parody movie because there's quite clearly intentional uh, comedic scenes in this. But there are. It's an, I still don't think it's a comedy movie, and I think I'll get to it later on. I have a, I, uh, an answer for that. All right. Um, and I think we'll get to it later on as we kind of go through this, the, the film a bit more. But I don't think it's a parody movie. I think this is trying to be an action comedy, and that's what it is. But well, I can I can tell you that when Shadow Stevens, Shadow Stevens was a DJ, like right. a, a disc jockey, yeah, and uh, he used to do the voice of um, uh, Celebrity Squares, 
you know that that sort of game show where they're all in different boxes. I'm aware of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was the he was the voiceover guy for that. Wow. And I think he became a big celebrity because of that. He signed on to this thinking it was a straight action film, and it was until he got on set, and then it became a comedy. Wow. And so he decided, well, okay, whatever, let's just roll with it. And I think that that plays into the fact it feels like it's two different movies at the same time. Like they're playing some scenes totally straight and serious and then the other scenes are like out-note spoof scenes. There's, and there's some scenes that are completely cartoonish, like over-the-top cartoonishly comic where some of the guys <laughs> are so physical. Uh, we'll get to, the, we'll get talked about like the, the kids, uh, the, the crash, the kids crash in the brothel. Oh scene. wait, that, that's uh, coming up. later on, yeah. that's coming up. But can I say about Shadow? Because I, I, what I, I can't wait to hear about the background details because Shadow. There's so little out there about it. I've gleaned as much as I can. Shadow Stevens, to me, right? Is that his name? Isn't it Shadow? What's yeah, his, Shadow Stevens. That's his, that's his, that's his, his stage name. Okay, because it's spelled Shadow with an E at the end instead of a W. W. Yep. He, to me, as I watched the film, I, I, I was, I was going, who does he remind me of? And then I, 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 I hit upon it about halfway through the film. He's like a Mel Gibson, a Lethal Weapon era Mel Gibson, crossed with the earnest humour of Brendan Fraser. I think okay. he's their love child. There's a Brendan right. Fraser quality to him as well, but also a, a Mel Gibson... Uh, re, uh, what's his name? Do you know, know what? After the theme tune, which is, you know, just relax, here comes tracks, yeah. cuts to El Salvador. Yes. And he is dressed like Rambo uh-huh. and he's got a blue bandana instead of a red bandana and what I kind of loved about the opening to this and this is where I was still trying to figure out what kind of movie is this what's happening mm-hmm. is I thought this is the first time in my entire life where I've felt the movie captured the idea of an eight-year-old boy playing with his toys yes Shadow Stevens for one thing he smiles constantly like he's having a ball just going around and killing people and shooting up the place and blowing things up. I don't know whether that was intentional or whether the actor himself was just really enjoying making the movie. But in every single scene he's in, he's always like grinning, like he can't believe how fun this is. And I kind of, I kind of really loved that. I, I found it really charming. The fact that he was just, he was smiling the whole time, enjoying the shit out of everything. I have a creative note, right? If and I've, I'm going to propose a, a coda scene to this that I think would make the entire thing work, and it, it's just building on what you just said there. If at the very end of this film, where it all wraps up, we have a scene where we pull out and we see that there's this eight-year-old kid with a blue bandana, and he's smashing back toys and together, he's smashing toys, and we realise that this is all the imagination of uh, this eight-year-old kid. It would all click. It would all fucking click and all those like different characters are people that are dispersed around his neighbourhood or something like that. As the film goes on, I would, if this was written, if I was to say that this film was written by an eight-year-old, as the film goes on, I would actually question whether that eight-year-old was on some heavy medication because the film goes fucking bananas as it goes on. Yeah, he looks so fucking proud of himself. Yeah, there's, there's a moment where... He does. He does. It's a moment where he's getting chased by all these El Salvadorian sort of um, freedom fighters who are like opening up machine guns on him. Yeah. And he goes, wait. And he says, um, I'm looking for a little puppy. Has anybody seen it? Yeah. And I honestly thought, is he really looking for a puppy? Or is he just distracting them? Is this what's happening? It's yeah. like, because it's not setting up anything. The scene's 
all these scenes are just cutting to the next thing and there's no sort of in or out. It just sort of happens and then it stops. And then it cuts again yeah. to 1988 and he's in Nicaragua. Yes. And... <laughs> This, this is the beginning of his character's wants and needs, Kevin. This yes. Is, if we were doing notes on this, we, we, get the, we get the planting of what he wants as a character. He starts walking down a forest with a guy who is wearing a beret and uh, he's smoking a cigar. And he says to him, and this is like almost a direct quote, he's like, um, do you ever get tired of killing people? <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy says to him, you need to try meditation. You need to get up in the morning early meditate you'll feel so much better you'll get your mojo back and then he says and and while they're doing this right i thought oh it's just a sort of a bizarre sort of scene where they're walking along a, a, a forest yeah but no they're in the middle of like an open war zone <laughs> bombs and, are going off left and right and they're, and they're, they're not, not reacting to they're any not, of it they're not flinching they're not flinching <laughs> and this is where i thought this is a spoof this is not real yeah this has to be a spoof because then he starts saying to him i'm thinking about going back home and he's like to do what you can't do anything your life is over and he said i like cookies <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts again really jarringly to him being another year ahead 1988 and he's back in in somewhere like Hadleysville Texas and he is trying to bake he's so clueless that the only way he can open an egg is to punch the egg (laughs) yeah he's looking at the egg like how do I open you how do I get into you all I know is brute force I'm just surprised I'm I'm actually proud that he didn't use a gun to shoot the top of the egg off that's the it's a filthy filthy looking shack that he's in and you just wonder where was the money and what did I spend it on? Because there, there's other moments in the movie where it looks really big budget. Yeah, yeah, it's it's surprising. The production design is you know all over the shop. They had I, how much was? Do, do you have any idea what the budget on this was? Six million is oh, what shit. I read. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think they spent it all on that one street where they they keep they <laughs> where. Um, Everything happens on one street. Yeah, it's the epicenter, and that's the, the, he gets. We we cut, after this, don't we? Cut to a well. He a, finds out he's a shit baker. He can't. It's bake. terrible. He doesn't know how to do it. Everything's really burning. Bad. Everything's absolutely burning. You know, the, he's getting evicted, and he goes back to his old precinct. But before we get back to the precinct, they they set up how bad the the city is, and the. the this one street that looks like a back lot street that you'd see it the friends cast or something yeah but it's every crime in the world is happening on that street at the same time yeah one night there, there's people being raped there's people being shot there's explosions happening there's people being thrown out of windows there's carjackings there's gangland fights there's hookers propositioning people <laughs> it's all happening at once on the one street again we're just we're just a dial we're just like a tweak of the dial away from this being a spoof like all you have to do is I just throw it is a spoof. It probably is. <laughs> like you have little old little old people looking out of their apartment windows, and they're just looking down, going, "Oh, you! This is so. This is so wrong. This is so wrong. Look at like as if it's just happened right now. It's absolutely. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. I'll tell you why I think it's a spoof, right? Because Shadow Stevens turns up at his police precinct, where I think the chief of police. Yeah, he's the chief. Yeah, he's leaving work and. Two other cops are bringing in a guy who's kicking and screaming. He's in handcuffs. Yeah. He's like, you motherfuckers, you motherfuckers are always trying to do this to me. Pim stuff on me, you motherfuckers. And he beats the shit out of the two cops with handcuffs and throws them out the window of their own police station. Yeah. And the main 
chief of police is just not reacting. He's just seen it all. He's he's clocking off after a 15-hour workday. And Shadow Stevens is there saying, you got a problem and you need a tone tamer. Something that the chief of police was actually looking for. Someone who basically comes into town who has got lots of guns, lots of bullets and no shits to give. And he is going to clean the streets. Yeah, so they're like bounces of the city. But what they yeah. don't realise is that Shadow Stevens is basically the Taliban. And that when he comes in, he is going to purify the streets yeah. from root to stem. And he doesn't give a fuck. But I'll tell you where I think it's a spoof, right? Well, one, while that's happening, two of the cops get thrown out the window and they're hanging out. And the, the guy in handcuffs is like screaming abuse at them. Yeah. And I thought, that's ridiculous. This has to be a piss take. And then the other thing is that Shadow Stevens needs a sort of a, a guide around the city because he doesn't know the city well. Yeah. And this guy uh, called Dieter, who's going to become his sidekick. I'm so glad you're giving me his name because I spent the entire film going, what's this guy's name? What's his deal? Like Dieter, anyway. because when Dieter gets shot, he goes, um, uh, he's lost a lot of blood. How much? A litre. And he goes, Dieter's lost a litre. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. This is America for one thing. And and like, is that a, is that a joke or what is that? What's that line about? But anyway, Dino is running for his life. He's running screaming (laughs) down the streets. He's getting chased by these hoods. Yeah. uh, And uh, there's a hooker like going, Hey baby. As if she wants to like proposition him. And I thought this is taking the piss. Yeah. Shadow Stevens turns up and he tells the two guys, he rescues Dieter and he tells the two guys, you got three choices here. You can be good, be gone or be dead. And <laughs> they tell him like, who do you think you are? And they pull out their guns. And so Shadow Stevens does the thing that he does routinely throughout the film. He shoots their belt buckle. Yeah. It's, he doesn't kill people. He just shoots them in the belt buckle or shoots their shoots the guns off or shoots some sort yeah. of... Uh, something. basically shows demonstrates his prowess with a, with a gun. He's an assassin for hire who doesn't kill people. He just shoots at them. Yeah. He terrorizes groups. And what I love about Dieter, what I found hilarious, not I love, but what I found hilarious about Dieter is that Shadow Stevens kidnaps, effectively kidnaps Dieter and makes him his sidekick. And so I was watching the film going, Dieter is now being held hostage by Shadow Stevens for the entire film and can't get away from. And uh, Until he yeah. coerces him into joining his cookie company and yeah. becoming like a partner in it. And Shadow Stevens, or tracks as he is, he has the shittest taste for cookies. So one of his recipes is he wants to create a tuna cookie. Yes. It's pretty disgusting. Pretty disgusting. He yeah comes up with some. He, there's one. He does like a, a puppy a puppy drop cookie, which we see at the end, where it's the swirl in the shape of the swirl of a dog's poo. Um, and he does cough drop cookies, and oh, he's got. That's basically his one want is the one thing he's atrocious at. Oh, great screenwriting. Yeah. He's going to get 10 grand under the table by the police chief who's agreed to allow him to clean up the streets for them because crime is rampant. Mm-hmm. And the 10 grand is what he, he's going to put into his cookie company. But the first place that Dieter takes him to sort of begin his cleanup of the streets is to a brothel. And this is one, this is one of the scenes where I The picture Shadow Stevens is smiling all the time. So he walks into the brothel and there's like, it's bedlam. There's everybody copping off with everybody. He goes room to room. He shoots the toilets and he says, Plumbing, plumbing's jammed. Everyone out. Everyone out. Plumbing's jammed. And this is where I felt he was giving off so much Brendan Fraser vibes 
You know the way that kind of like smug Brendan Fraserness he had in his peak mummy days, where he just kind of went cockily into places and wasn't affected by anything. But this also gave me one of my first biggest laughs because he kicks in <laughs> door after door after door, and it's all like you know half naked hookers yeah. and and uh, their gentlemen friends uh, running out, <laughs> and then he comes to a fourth door, kicks it open, and what is inside? Oh, and it is perfectly bright, brightly it's coloured like daycare Barney crash. The dinosaur sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the crash says um, daycare for working mothers. <laughs> yeah. And that tells me it is a spoof, like it has to be. Yeah. But it's such a, it, it's in such bad taste. So he's he's dragging everybody out and one of the guys decides to take one of the children hostage and puts a yes. gun to his head. And he bursts in, he blows the guy away. The kids are all like cowering in the corner. They're Again, all like about five and six years of age. When you he say blows he blows them away, window. He, he shoots him in the, in the belt buckle multiple times until he falls out the window. So that's, yeah. so that's what he's doing. He's like Robocop, but doesn't kill anyone. And then he turns and says to the kids with a smile, this is what happens when you don't behave. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And it does feel like right now, it's, I, I do feel, yeah, you're right in saying it's spoof territory, but I still don't think this is a spoof. And it's, um, but who shows up next after this scene? We have the kind of the introduction of our chief bad guy. And he's, yeah, Robert Davi, who's yeah. um, playing Mr. Palachi. Who I, and, for the entire thing, was saying, oh, it's the Goonies guy. So I just kept on calling him Mr. Goonies in my uh, head. Oh, I was thinking it was Agent Johnson. You know, oh. no relation from Die Hard. <laughs> wasn't he, the, wasn't he the, the villain in License to Kill as well? Yeah, and did you know that the lead actress in this Priscilla Barnes was also in Licence to Kill what? yeah oh she wasn't one of the Bond girls one of the two Bond girls no, she, she was also in Three's Company oh my god I did not notice okay I think great. she's one of the, the stronger actors in the whole film yeah she is she, she certainly yeah she certainly has got chops Unfortunately, she plays she's the been, mayor and she, <laughs> she's laboured with her role which is very who has a very unfortunate uh, she's frustration, extremely uh, sexed up, and yeah. she cannot take her hands off of um, <laughs> she cannot take her hands of Shadow Stevens. Again, yeah. this is this is the wish fulfillment fantasy of an eight-year-old boy. So quite clearly, you know, that's, <laughs> it's it's all it's all coming together, Kevin. So uh, uh, Robert Davi realizes that there's a new guy in town who's cleaning up the streets, and one of the pimps that Trax has beaten the shit out of calls him and says that you have a man who's come to town who's possessed with extraordinary combative skills mm-hmm. and you need to handle it. So Robert Davy sends his gopher guy. He was like an accountant. I just kept calling him the accountant. That's what he felt like he was. He, was just he sends it, him know. to get a, a bunch of Mexican uh, assassins called... Yeah. It was, there was a, a group of brothers, just these... Guzik, the Guzik brothers. Wild, uh, crazy dudes who just like killing people. So this is where I thought, right, screenwriting note, Shadow Stevens succeeds too much. There's no pushback. No There's no pushback at all. He just, for like a good 40 minutes of the film, he just goes from location to location, kicking in doors, yeah. shooting his gun off and telling everybody to get out and don't come back. Yeah. And trying to figure out how to bake his cookies. They cut away to the Guzik brothers traveling up from Mexico to Texas to sort them out and that's a good stretch of the movie and I thought you know if they, if they wanted a note I think that they could have like um, they could have brought some of that into the story quicker I would give another note which is that there's I would I would explain to him that there's a, there's a thing called a character arc 
where you <laughs> where you you pick a character and you decide which one will have some sort of transformation over the course of uh, of, of the of the story of your film and uh, this film does not have any character arc whatsoever uh, particularly our main hero but he, yeah he definitely succeeds he was he would be he's probably the first Mary Sue he's just so good at everything well in actual fact the one thing he's not good at is 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 baking cookies. So I, I tell you what he's really good at. He's really good at fucking bombs and windows because there's a, there's a moment where he chucks a brick in the window of a poker game without playing cocaine, without playing yeah. cocaine, without they're counting the, the money from their cocaine hall. And the bomb is like a, a brick with a, a white sheet written around it, which said, this is a bomb. Yeah. And, <laughs> We're in cartoon. The, We're in cartoon guy, territory. The guy gets up and he's like, motherfucker, who the fuck sends a fucking bomb through my fucking window? And he opens the window and he's like, who the fuck did this? And Shadow Stevens is like standing in the middle of the street looking up smiling. And he says like, you've got about three seconds until you've got to learn how to fly. And he says, you got less than that until you're going to learn how to die. And he says back to him, you better start flapping and sucking air. And then the whole building explodes and the guy gets blown out the window. <laughs> there was a fantastic uh, shot in, you know, around the middle of the film where he's just on a real mission going, like the montage of him cleaning up this, up this, off the street. It's not the city, it's just the street, right? It's one street, everything it's happens one street. on the street. And he goes into the he goes into the store, and so the shot stays outside. And in the first floor above him, like uh, three uh, explosions erupt over his head, like you know, of the, out of the three windows. And he just walks out. So it's like he literally just had no time to walk in. Boom, <laughs> walks boom, in, boom. Walks explosion back out again. walks back out again. <laughs> yeah, There's like, another yeah. moment where um, he he jumps off the roof. He falls into an old lady's house, and he smells that she's baking cookies. And he asks her yeah. for a recipe, and then he falls through the floor twice and he ends up in a stripper bar yeah <laughs> and he poses so that they can see his face on his t-shirt because yeah. Dieter has told them that you need a you need a, a sort of um an emblem to show off who you are yeah so he has that look I, there's one thing I think I need to tell you though right because I was laughing at this but it's weighing on my mind the sort of director of this only did one movie which was this who was, was the director Oh God, a, a guy called Jeremy, uh, Jerome Gary. Okay. And he didn't really do anything else other than this, other than being married to Mary Lambert, the director of uh, Pet Cemetery and a lot of music videos. Oh wow, okay. So his wife is quite um, uh, successful in her own right. But the writer of this was a guy called Gary DeVore. Okay, I've never heard of him. Okay, but Gary DeVore, right? He had a, a pretty good run of it as a Hollywood uh, screenwriter. He probably, like for most screenwriters, was in development a lot because there's a lot of pictures out there of him with his celebrity pals. There are pictures of him out there with like Kurt Russell and he didn't do a movie with Kurt Russell. So they must have been working on something and it didn't happen. He was Tommy Lee Jones's best man at his wedding. Wow. He wrote Raw Deal, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film. No way. He wrote Running Scared, uh, The Dogs of War. He had an uncredited rewrite uh, on Passenger 57. He did a film with Dolph Lundgren called Pentathlon. Pentathlon? Yeah. P-E-N-T-A-T-H-L-O-N. Pentathlon. I don't even know how to say that. Yeah. Uh, Back roads. Anyway, he was working away. But then in 1997, he was working on a script about the invasion of Panama. And he finished the script and he left his office and he called his wife and he said... I'll be home soon. I just need to deliver this script. 
Okay. And he drove off in California and he never turned up. And at one o'clock in the morning, his wife called him again and said, where are you? What's going on? And she said that he sounded out of sorts and that he was being evasive and he wouldn't tell her where he was and what was going on. Yeah. And then he disappeared and he was never heard of wow. for about 20 years. Oh, so what year is this, Kevin? When did, when 1997. Did dis- so it became okay. a missing persons case until they found his car. Right. And his car was in the California aqueduct upside down with his skeletal remains inside in it. Oh my God. But the skeleton remains were missing the laptop, which he had written the script on, and they were missing his hands. Oh my God. And the police said it would have been impossible for his car to end up in that aqueduct because it would have meant that he would have driven against traffic for about four miles and he would have been seen. And also they searched that aqueduct at the time of his missing persons report and the car wasn't there. So it ended up there after the fact. And there's a report here from the Daily Mail uh, that says that um, screenwriter mysteriously killed in 97 after finishing script that revealed the real reason for the US invasion of Panama uh, had been revealed as been working for the CIA. Jesus Christ. So he was murdered and nobody knows who murdered him uh, or for what reason. But they allude to the fact that it could have had something to do with um, this the script that he was working on. Tracks. <laughs> this film tracks. <laughs> I mean... He needed a Shadow Stevens, but holy shit, that, that is. was Gary DeVore. That's a terrible end for a career that I think started off quite strong. That is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Jesus Christ. I didn't know whether to bring it up because I thought that it might, um, oh, it no. might put a dampener on Oh man, the- no, I'm so glad you told me that because that's a fascinating story. And if I'm finding it interesting, I'm sure the listeners will find it interesting too because I'm all about the trivia. Because I, as uh, how we're doing this is that I stay away from looking into any of the research of who made it or anything like that. So, um, so I'm so glad uh, I, I learned that. Wow. Because... This is the thing about this. So this came out kind of like midway. This came out in 88. So he had done he had done Raw Deal. That was before that. Um, he did. I'm trying to think what was the other. So he'd, he had a few films out. So he knew his way around the screenplay. This is the thing. And <laughs> he did. He had to have. I think what we can do, right, is we can get into what did we, what did we like about it? Because if we keep going through the plot, the film doesn't have any sort of cohesion. The scenes sort of jump around all over the place. It continues as we've had, is where he goes in from one scene to the next and he just shoots the shit out of people. And there's a moment where he gets shot though, Shadow Stevens, and he returns to his camp where Dieter, he's been keeping Dieter as like his, (laughs) his hostage. He, he returns on his motorcycle I thought this was fucking hilarious. I wrote down in capital letters, ha 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 ha. This is fucking so funny. What happens? So it's just shot like a, the whole film is shot like a traditional action movie, which is why I don't know whether this is a spoof or not. But he returns back to the camp yeah. and he drives straight over the, the coals of the fire <laughs> on his motorcycle, straight into yeah. a tree and he just falls right over. So it's like, it's like you put a dummy on a motorcycle and drove it at a wall and he just goes bunk, plop. And the guy's like, oh my God, are you okay? Oh, you've been yeah. shot. And then he decides to help him by taking out his knife. This is the knife as well, which he keeps combing his hair with, which I, I was trying to figure out, what the fuck is he doing? He's coming out of these rooms and he's combing his hair, smiling. With <laughs> well, a he knife. loves that linesman. And it is it is a well, well-maintained linesman, Kevin. That's what I would say. Mm. It is. 
I like him. I I find him, the fact that he just keeps smiling and everything just makes me think like you're having you're either a terrible actor and you're just really enjoying making the film and you can't keep a straight face, or you just chose to to portray tracks as a complete psychopath who is just causing anarchy. And as I said, he's no different to the Taliban. No, no, no. He, and he there's a moment where they come back into the town, yeah. right, where he they've strung up all the bodies. And it's a horror scene. Yeah. Do you oh, remember because that? we oh, I know because it's presented like the, the 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 refuse guys are going around doing their usual round and they pull onto the street, it's morning time, and it does look like it's been a massacre. And instead of having a horrified reaction, they start delighted going, Yay, you isn't it so much fun? And I went, Lads, this is fucking awful. Do you remember when he blows up the pimp? Yeah. And they cut to a reaction shot of this old lady and her old husband who are just delighted to see that he's blown up one of the pimps in the building next door. <laughs> yeah. Going back to that scene you were talking about where where Trax has been shot. This is one of the other interesting elements of the story that had me laughing out loud. Is that Trax is going from action scene to action scene where he's been shot at. He's been shot at you know a thousand times in this film. And somehow the bullets, he doesn't even flinch. The bullets just, he just assumes the bullets aren't going to hit him. So I think he believes he he's has right. superpowers. Well, he's not right because the mentally challenged son of Mr. Goonies shoots him in the back. And oh, God. That was, and that, that, that was dropped and abandoned as I went, okay, is this going to be some sort of plot point? And it was just like, no, he's got a son who, uh, anyway. But did you did you see how that scene started? Oh. He comes in through that bedroom window on his just, motorcycle. He smashes in. <laughs> and he tells Robert Davy, you're going to get out of town. Well, Robert. No, he tells him, he tells him, get up. Robert. And Robert Daddy Robert, is in bed with she's his wife. Tr- she's, trying to, she's trying to make him too messant. Ah, ah, did I use that correct, Kevin? Uh, and uh, Robert Davy is not becoming too messant. And it's not until uh, Shadow Stevens comes in and points his gun at him, he commands his penis, his deep penis to rise. And it does. He gets a visible yeah. erection in the bed while he's being um, told at gunpoint to get out of town. <laughs> And then Robert Davi, after hiring these Mexican cartel guys to come and kill him, he decides as well, for some reason, to go to Shadow Stevens' camp. He shows up. Where they've just been dancing for about two minutes straight, the two of them. For some reason, himself and Dieter have decided to do a music montage where they are doing the hockabuck <laughs> at the side of a lake. Robert Davi shows up with not in a very dramatic way, but what, he slowly appears first with a bloodhound who's attached to the car. So a bloodhound has led him to... I thought the dog was pulling the car. <laughs> no, it's a bloodhound. He's holding onto the leash and he's like using the bloodhound to track down... So wait a second. So the dog was leading him yes. and he was following... Oh my yes, God. that's how it... That's, it is a spoof. Yeah, that's how it was. But Robert Davy says to him, what do you want, man? And he says, I want to make cookies. And he says, do you know what? I'm going to get in business. I'm going to help you make your cookies a reality and then we'll be even. And Shadow Steven says, no, thanks. I'm going to do this on my own and you're a scumbag and you need to get out of town. So Robert Davy says, well, fuck you then. He gets back in his car and he says, here's what I think about your cookies. And he farts and he gives a big long ripper of a fart. And then he starts up his car. he, He lights up his cigar and presumably like I had to stop <laughs> oh, this- and rewind it because I didn't know what had happened 
presumably because he farted so long in the car. So when he lit a cigar, he blew himself up. And that's the big villain of the movie. But about 20 minutes ago, blows himself up because of a fart. I'm only getting that now because you said it. I, I, I was at the moment going, how did the car blow up? What happened? He farted himself to death. He farted himself to death. Oh my God, this is fucking brilliant. Kevin, I want to say this about this film. Every scene God it was short. elicited a laugh from me. Every single scene, whether it be intentional or unintentional, I laughed and I laughed heartily seven, several times. It truly, truly, you know, I, I found it to be very entertaining. I was the opposite. I was just there with my jaw open, like going like, I don't, what, what, what's happening? <laughs> because I was thinking, are these jokes intentional? If they're not intentional, it, it's doubly funny. If they are intentional, it's kind of a bit confusing because they're doing them so badly. Yeah. But the mayor, <laughs> there was one funny moment where I did laugh. Where the, the press have caught wind of the fact that there's a vigilante going around shooting up people. And they have a press conference with the mayor and the chief of police is being yeah. questioned. And they're saying, is this cowboy working with the police? And the chief of police goes, bullshit. And then the goes like, we have word that the mayor's office is paying this person. He goes, bullshit. And that's all he keeps saying to every question that's been asked of him. And that made me laugh where it was like, it looks like a very straight sincere press conference but his answer to every question is like bullshit as if, as if you can get away with saying that and the mayor is like trying to nudge him and say like would you stop antagonizing the press because they're gonna they're gonna ones that, they're the ones that are gonna write your obituary did was this one of the press was this the same press conference where tracks himself was disguised as a reporter in- disguised as himself but with a mustache <laughs> He was disguised as a reporter, Kevin, because he had a notepad and pen and basically stood up saying, so how much do you love Trex? <laughs> yeah. How much do you think, how great do you think he is? Is he great? He's great. <laughs> he, did, he was doing a Clark Kent moment. He was doing a On Clark Kent On a scale Kent of one to moment. ten, how much do you like uh, <laughs> yeah. Trax? Is Trax your favourite? Can oh. I give one of you, can I give you one of my favourite moments? Again, which I didn't know whether they were in series. This is not my best minute. This is just one of those moments that I, I see it written on my list. Is later on in the story when the, the whatever they call them, brothers, are in town causing all sorts of chaos. They take a team of Little League baseball players <laughs> hostage, okay? They drive it. Oh, and I had a question. You know their coach? Their coach they kill him. Yeah, they kill him. But was that coach? You remember Tim Allen's sitcom? What was what was Tim Allen's sitcom? Where he Home was Improvement. The, Home Improvement. You remember his kind of sidekick with the beard and that? I thought he was the same guy. He basically he looks like him if he's not the oh, same guy. They kill him. Know. It's not it's not irrelevant. But this but they kidnap the kids. They kidnap this entire this entire this entire team they, of baseball. They, <laughs> they hog tie him. They they they, they tie them human to shield the, to the exterior of their limousine. And when one of the police officers is confiding in tracks, like you know, we need to, we need you to go and you know rescue these kids, he said, "Oh, you gotta save them because my kids do hood ornament." I just went, "Your kids." 
Your kids to fucking run out of it. But he says it so seriously. He says it so seriously. It's just oh. like, oh, it's fucking, oh, it's, it's, it, I, I found it hilarious. I found it hilarious. But go on, Kevin, go on. I don't want to, I don't want to um, ruin the flow because you're doing such a wonderful job. Oh, I, I don't even know where I am in the story. I can't remember. It's all just a jumble for me. Yeah, because basically what happens is those bad guys come to town and there's a, there's a, a showdown between... So Robert Davi's dead. The main villain's dead. So now he's only yeah. up against the, the Guzik brothers. There's three of them. That's it. And they've been torturing Robert Davi's guy, his uh, accountant guy throughout the whole movie. They had a funny thing where they were like, they they had him in the back of the car. They had a gun pointed at him. They were like, oh, McDonald had a farm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and the gazelle goes, and he goes, a gazelle? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ha. And he's like, that's not what a gazelle makes. And they, 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 uh, he says, a gazelle has no voice box. And they start to try and tear out his voice box. And he's like, no, no, give me another one. And he goes, oh, MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And the marsupial goes. And he's like, marsupial. <laughs> and they start breaking his fingers. Um, they, they return back into town. Dieter takes Shadow Stevens to meet the mayor, who's figured out that he is now somebody she can trust. She has immediately the hot room so she starts shagging him in the library it's it's all no she she comes to him she, she comes does. to him and Delia is standing outside the library fully armed like with an M16 she opens the door now this is a this is a spoof movie so when she opens the door she the door bangs against Dieter and Dieter just falls forward flat in his face she goes into the empty library and Shadow Stevens is like you know you know, he's, he's in the cooking amongst, section he's, the he's cooking trying to learn <laughs> recipes to recipes she tries to talk to him seriously but her desire for him is so overwhelming. She just can't pull herself away from him. And it is just, oh she, my but God. She's really good. She's playing it like a proper yeah. spoof thing. Yeah. Um, there's later on when she's talking about him uh, to the press, she's gripping the microphone and, and basically stroking the microphone. <laughs> Suggestively. <like> yeah. <laughs> a penis. Yeah. But they, um, the guys turn up in the, the main street. Now I have to, like, if, if it's not, put across to you well the street does feel like it looks like it was shot on the street of Sesame Street but they've just <laughs> yeah. made it really grubby so they shoot Dieter one of them does and Dieter gets taken away and one of the cops has turned renegade and he's gone after Shadow Stevens tracks and they team up and they decide to face down the Guzik brothers together and the Guzik brothers have, like Wiley Coyote, they have sticks of dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. How does it end? I can't remember. And what they happens? Have a, they have a- what ends up happening is that they end up do, having doing chicken, where the, where the Guzik brothers are in the limousine and Trax is in his truck and he gets the top of it. There's kind of a, a, a car chase moment. The yeah. top of Trax's truck gets ripped off and they end up in this kind of like um, a quarry, a, a, a quarry yard and they, they they do chicken. But before <laughs> Trax takes off, he puts down the accelerator and his truck rears up like a horse, you know, like a horse <laughs> rearing up. And I just went, this is a cartoon. This is a cartoon. Um but also, the uh, his truck's engine gives out, so he has to go out on foot. Versus the Guzik brothers who are in their in their limousine, and all he does is shoot as he's so, he so. He didn't he shoot the the dynamite, dynamite back just, into yeah. the car. That's all it was. Yeah, that's how he kills them. And they keep driving towards him, and they swerve out of the way, 
as the dynamite explodes and they blow themselves up. Yep. And then the city is saved and they have a block party. Mm -hmm. And they did a a nice job cleaning it up because there's a Ferris wheel. You see the old... uh, I like the last shot. I like the last shot, which they filmed (laughs) it on a Ferris wheel. (laughs) I thought that was one of the cheapest elements of the entire film. Oh, I liked it. I thought it was kind of... I thought it would would be nice if they did one rotation of the Ferris wheel, but it was like they bought, it was like the film crew bought a ticket (laughs) and says, right, you can go on, you get two spins on the Ferris wheel and the director's saying, well, if you're getting two spins on the Ferris wheel, make sure you get every fucking minute of that ride (laughs) and they used those two rotations on the Ferris wheel for the final shot of the film. Uh, If it was just one, like, uh, if it was one rotation, maybe, but it was just... Did they do uh, it twice? Oh my God. They did twice. It was just that long. It was just like, you don't need to do this twice. You don't need to go around twice. Jesus but they, they basically give um, Trax the freedom of the city. And, and what what does Trax get at the end of the film? Want to know? Think about our character arc. What did he get? Snacks with Trax. He opens up his own little like like little um, uh, bakery. Yeah, and he still has Dieter held hostage. Dieter <laughs> is basically his slave. Dieter is working for him, and 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 Trax can leave. To go outside and look for, suggestively look look at the mirror across the crowd, and they hook up. You just know it's uh, you know it's pretty much it's this so is, romantic. It's so romantic. It should have been brought up in "I Love You," best "I Love You" scene. It's uh, it's incredible, and we have fireworks. We do have fireworks at the end of this film. Yeah, but the um, fireworks they they this isn't there some sort of creative way that they cut to the fireworks? It's like an explosion goes off and they cut the fireworks. (laughs) Hey, remember when, uh, when Trax and the mayor were having sex the first time in the library, (laughs) they, they cut to the fountain outside and the fountain was spouting up into the air. They kind of had that naked, naked gun. And this was probably a year after Naked Gun as well, so they were just probably cogging from Naked Gun as well. But they no, kind of Naked Gun was eighty eight as well, wasn't it? Oh, it prob- I thought it was eighty seven. Maybe it was eighty eight. But yeah, but, I know. Um, Shadow Stevens had popped up in a Kentucky Fried movie. No the way, John Landis spoof. So I think he was rubbed in because of that. But Shadow Stevens, after this, he returned to working in TV, so he didn't do any more movies after this. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, and Robert Davi went on to do films and, and what have you. And uh, you know, Dieter, he was very familiar, and I don't he know. He is very familiar. And Willard okay. E. Pugh, he was in Toy Soldiers. He was in RoboCop Two. Uh, he was Harpo in The Color Purple. There we um, go. RoboCop Two. Giver. RoboCop Two was the mayor in that. Yeah, so he he's done a lot. Well, but all right, who was your MVP of the movie? Oh man, my MVP. It was Shadow Stevens. I <laughs> once I clicked in to him, him being a love child of Mel Gibson and Brendan Fra- Brendan Fraser, and I I really just started to have fun with him because, as you said somewhere along the way, you said he just seems to be enjoying himself in every scene. He's just always has that. He always has that kind of chirpy, pleasant grin on his face, and he seems to be almost like in on the joke. And I enjoyed him. And I'm kind of surprised he didn't have a bigger career in comedy. I think he might have been a great comedic actor. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe I'm giving him too much credit. But uh, yeah, he was my MVP. How about you, Kevin? What was Who was your MVP from this one? I'm going to say Shadow Stevens as well. I thought Aye. it was really enjoyable. If not him, I would say the, the mayor woman. Yes. Um, she was kind of good. And another way I can hit home that it was spoof, there's a moment where she looks at the camera. There is, isn't there? He I was wondering about like that. The, the chief of police says, maybe you can dick her or something like that. 
and she right. looks at camera and goes dicker and then walks off out of yeah. the scene and I didn't even hear what they said the, the audio in this film is pretty bad mm-hmm. like there's an echo throughout the whole film and it is straight to video so it's it's a VHS film but they had the production values and this at times feels like I'm going to get you suck it's that sort of quality but uh, yeah uh, I, I really do think a little dialing of Trax's character the, the problem is is Trax's character is kind of like a god in this world he solves every problem he is the he, every woman is attracted to him uh, he is abso- he's, he, he's bulletproof he's the man if they had looked at the scenes and kind of poked fun at tracks a little bit more, it would have just tipped this film over into spoof or parody a little bit more rather than being a film that is, hang on a second, is this an action co- is this an action movie that kind of is a bit of a comedy as well? And uh, I think I think another rewrite, another rewrite before being having his hands chopped off and killed by <laughs> whoever <laughs> may, might have helped this film. Poor guy. He wanted, Charles Stevens wanted to uh, do his own cut of the film because he said that all the best stuff was on the cutting room floor and that they left out a lot of uh, great moments that he thinks would have helped the film. But the producers, Dino De Laurentiis and those guys said no. And it got locked in a vault. And what we've got is a very unusual um, action film that is probably the most cult film that we're going to do on this series, I think. It feels like it's one of those films that has a, a, a cult following. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, it does, definitely. But it's not that cultish where if you were to go on YouTube, there'd be loads of like reports about it. It's really obscure. This is the most obscure. And it's really hard to talk about it because it, the tone is all over the place. But um, if you watch this film, Stoned, I think it'll be one of your favorite films ever. Uh, so will we get into whether we think people should revisit it however yeah. whatever means that takes yep. or skip it mm-hmm. you go first i'm going to go first and i am quite easily I have no idea where you're gonna go i genuinely if you take it if you have the caveat that you're going to watch a, a shitty film right it's a, it's a shitty <laughs> film but if you want to have a fun time laughing at a film and also kind of with the film as it goes along i honestly would easily recommend this film it was a, 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 a quick watch. It's, and I actually was impressed by the first 10 minutes because they were telling everything in action. They were, they, they, it, doesn't, it doesn't get dog, bogged down in big dialogue scenes. It is, there's a lot of action in this movie and I find it hilarious for unintentional reasons. I really genuinely found this film to be hilarious. I laughed out loud a lot. So I'm going to say I recommend this film. How about you, Kevin? I'm going to say there are moments in this film that really are astounding. And the, the opening sequence where Shadow Stevens, when he is in his state trooper mode and he has his hair chopped up uh, and he is just a, a complete lunatic of a cop <laughs> who comes to solutions in ways that are baffling. Like he literally gets a lying off a cop car with a skateboard and yeah. throws himself <laughs> face first through the window of a pet shop to gun down criminals who have shot a puppy and the owner. And I thought, I'm 100% in on this film. And when you go to the next few scenes, the montage of him being a renegade throughout El Salvador and Nicaragua, and he's just blowing people up and he's smiling the whole time and he's living his best life. I thought, this is a film that's written by an eight-year-old. This is like me with my action yeah. figures, smashing them together. And nothing makes sense, but I'm having a fucking whale of a time in my little feeble mind that hasn't been fully developed. 
Yeah. And then as it went along, it started to get a bit grubbier and a bit more strained and um, a bit sort of like exploitative. And I started to get confused by the film and I couldn't figure out what tone it was. And me being me, I always struggle with films where they're so bad they're good. Okay. I tend to just think, oh, if it's bad, it's just bad. And if it's good, it's good. But this film really confounded me. So I didn't laugh much in this film so much as like every so often I would just get bamboozled and would guffaw. (laughs) And the rest of the time I was like utterly confused and my jaw was open and I couldn't figure out what people were intending to go for and whether I was with the film or against the film or the jokes were intentional or unintentional or even if they were jokes or not jokes it's just a crazy action film and I think the people making it must have had a fucking ball right are you going to recommend this I don't not, know whether I recommend it <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on tender hooks I'm like going come on come I'm going to say look if this podcast has made you want to revisit it then I recommend it if it hasn't I don't recommend it okay yeah does that make can, sense you can if tell, it doesn't neither yeah. does the film yeah I think that's I think that's absolutely fair I think that's totally fair but uh, I'm going to say yeah revisit it just for the crack oh god it's so much fun it is so much fun um, that was a lot of fun Kevin it was will we spin the wheel and see what year we'll get next let's do it let us do it Great. and we'll be back in another two weeks with another flop <laughs> see <laughs> if we like it alright I'm going to spin the wheel right now here we go and here I'm, we go I'm just, I'm just wondering what year I want. I'm looking for I'm, I'm hoping I get something I hope we get something in the late 2010s alright well we'll say our goodbyes and we'll see you again soon but listen thanks for listening yeah. and uh, as usual uh, give us a, a rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our bonus shows on the uh, Patreon. And we'll be back in the autumn or in the fall, if you're an American, with uh, season four. But for now, we'll say our goodbyes. Thanks for listening. See ya. That was the end of the best bit. Good luck. <laughs> and here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Many bits. Another new episode. Of the stupid podcast. Patreon podcast. Patreon podcast. Exclusive. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Ken. Bonus content for you, yeah. That's right. This is for you. Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiraptus the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house? You walk no, barefoot. I, I, I wear... No, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women.
uh, get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. (laughs) I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode? It's different (laughs) to the other 270 episodes. Maybe it didn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> cancel. You don't des- Everybody cancel. <laughs> you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people? We, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I, how do you think I did? I, I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those are my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? Yeah. I want Speaking one of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glints. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, 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 did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the time. Oh. I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after Yeah, we, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. Very okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And I'm... Right. Um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. You it doesn't did. really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So um, I'm Well, the Joker 2 trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes. I watched that. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah. It's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, like, hey, listen, uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. 
Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore. Get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be there going, where where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? When are they going to show up? And like, you know... It's a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like this, this is everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors. And there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh, it's this is the insane. thing, Kevin. So I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. Wait, was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, I you, think. you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. I, and have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people on Discord are trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting now, like, um. Tweets, comments, TikToks, uh, articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. (laughs) It's just, it's it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They were just, they were morons. But no, I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, (laughs) but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I would found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.